0: If you would open up in your Bibles over to Luke chapter 5, I don't know if uh, any of you had watched this during the, uh, or seen this maybe on YouTube or some other place, maybe you didn't see it on the news, but the absolutely horrible and shocking uh, depiction that came on our screens just this week when Marco Rubio took a drink of water. I don't know if you saw that, but that was pretty horrible to have to sit there and to, to watch that. And, uh, of course, it was reported hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times on the news media to let us know that Marco Rubio drank water during his televised uh, rebuttal. As shocking as that was, some of the news that was not covered in light of covering Marco Rubio, Marco Rubio and his stuff, we did not cover such things as North Korea's most successful nuclear explosion, as well as Iran's progress on this as well. We didn't cover that one. Uh, the effect of our proposed reduction of our nuclear arsenal by a third and how that will have an effect on this. We didn't cover that one either. Or a 29-year-old woman who died Thursday after undergoing a late-term abortion at a Maryland clinic operated by a notorious Dr. Leroy Carhartt. However, despite her Carhartt's international reputation, no major news organization is covering the reported death. He operated on her for an abortion when she was eight months along. Uh, we didn't cover Saturday Night Live's uh, mockery of Lent when uh, Christ's violent return in glory. Uh, they called it De "Jesus Uncrossed. Anybody uh, see that coverage that was done on that? Or what the recent testimony said about who did or didn't show up during the Benghazi incident. There were some very tough testimony that came out, and uh, they didn't get too much news coverage on that. Uh, Pelosi, another Famous quote, quote by Pelosi this week. It's almost a false argument to say that we have a spending problem. That was uh, Nancy Pelosi. And she also claims two, uh, plus uh, over $2 trillion of spending cuts. No one knows where they are. It's amazing how you can hide $2 trillion worth of spending cuts, but we don't have a problem in spending anymore because we have $2 trillion in cuts. Yet every year, our money, the money we spend goes up. Or how the House Minority Whip Steny Hoyer? The country doesn't have a spending. He was asked, does the country have a spending problem? He said, no, the country has a paying-for problem. <laughs> Did anyone hear that one? That probably wasn't covered a whole lot, huh? We haven't paid for what we bought. But we don't know about all those things, but we do know that Senator Marco Rubio has a water drinking problem. So it's always good to, to have that. It's amazing what we are not told, and what the things are that we are focused on. What I hope that we do as Christians is that we pursue what is important and don't let these folks get away with trying to focus on such trivial matters as Mark Rubio's drinking water during a rebuttal. (laughs) That just just, uh, tells you where they're at on all those things. So in light of a funny story, we put that one out there. I think uh, True Life was certainly... Uh, quite funny. And there's a lot more news that they did not cover. That only barely scratches the surface of the things they didn't cover. And things that actually matter, they did not cover at all. We talked, uh, started like a couple of weeks ago, on some things that we can do to help the hands, the things we put our hands to, to be blessed. And to make sure that they, they are. Now, as in this case with the news, you can only respond to news that you know about. You can only have a, a course of action or take a course of action to news that you know about. If you don't know about it, then you don't have a response. You don't have a, It doesn't seem to affect your course of action. What we know about the Word of God and how God wants to bless the work of our hands will have an impact on us. God desires to bless the work of our hands. But if we don't know what His Word says about how He can do that, He's not going to be able to do so. I put this in my outline, it's not in yours, but not always where people asked for tremendously inadequate supply. Remember last week we were talking about the tremendously inadequate supply that they had, the loaves and the fish, uh, the, the oil, the things that people were brought, brought in had a very little supply compared to a huge need. And they were all asked the question, what do you have? But not always does God come and ask us what we have. Not always in the word of God has God come to people and say, what do you have? Because they have an enormous need. There are also some other things that he does. So sometimes an effort or an action was called for. And we're going to take a look at some effort or actions today. In Luke chapter 5, we have a story we have covered here on a few occasions. I think the last time was about five years ago. So uh, even though I'm sure you're pretty well uh, familiar with the details, let's look at it in light of these things. And how it can help us with this. In Luke chapter 5, verse 1, So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennarset and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Now, if you've got a boat and it's sitting out there in the water and you're over there washing the nets and some guy gets in the boat, would that raise your alarm? Would you be a little concerned? Somebody just got into my boat. (laughs) Yeah, well, if you have a car out in the parking lot and you're overdoing something and somebody gets into your car, you might have a little bit of concern. So somebody gets into the boat and uh, then they ask Peter, Peter, I'm here in your boat now, so will you put out a little bit to see so I can use this as a place to, to teach from? And Peter, I'm sure, could have done a lot of different things. He could have looked at how much he still has to do with the washing of the nets. I'm sure that his wife had a list of things for him him to do back home. And he had to get to. Uh, Maybe he was even asking, what time will you be home? I have certain things that I have to do. Uh, You know, Life goes on. Life goes on for us. Life went on for them. There were things that they had to, to get done. Maybe he was supposed to pick up some stuff at the store on the way home. We don't know what it was. We know he's not bringing fish home. Because they, uh, fished all night and they didn't catch anything. So he's gotta, if he's, if he's bringing home dinner, we're gonna find out someplace else. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. So Jesus needed a place to teach. There were big multitudes. Apparently, if he was out in the boat, they could hear a little bit better. Uh, I don't know. I still think microphones and such things like that work better, but this is the way that they had gone. There's a couple of things that first off, We're looking at the listening aspect of of Peter and the disciples. What is he going to listen to? Right there, you all know you have some, some options. When you get done work, how many of you know there are some things you can listen to? You're done work and you know that your cupboard is bare and you know you should go shopping. But your body is saying, I'm tired. How about we just stop at the Wendy's and pick up some food and we'll do shopping tomorrow. You can listen to that, couldn't you? Or you can go to the store and you can get the stuff that you wanted to do. There's a lot of things that you can listen to when you get done work. Because you're tired, you're ready to go, and you're ready to do some things. Uh, I'm sure some of us would like to go out and work out. That'd be a good idea. Oh, yeah, good love to go work out. But when you get done work, you're not feeling like working out. There's a lot of things we can listen to. I put in your notes this. Either you can listen to our, our flesh or to Jesus. That's one thing. You can listen to your flesh. You can listen to Jesus. Peter had the option when Jesus made this command to either listen to his nets that were calling to be cleaned, Listen to his buddies who had other places to be. Listen to his wife who maybe gave him some instructions or to listen to Jesus. And he chose to listen to Jesus. Now, most of us would say, well, that's a no brainer, but he doesn't know who Jesus is. This is just some guy who got in the boat. He's going around doing some teaching. This is not the Messiah, not to him. Nice guy, good teacher, but it's it's not the same thing that, that Peter will see him lay, later on. So Peter could have listened to his to-be-done list, could listen to his tired body. If you've been fishing all night, you know you'd be tired. His apparent need, well, he's got a need right now. He needs fish. He, he fished all night and didn't catch anything. Now understand one Um, one night of not catching fish is not going to be a make or break deal for a fisherman. I'm sure they've had other nights that they didn't catch any fish. You have some good days and you have some bad days. If you've ever been into sales, you know that that's a common thing in sales. You have some sales days that you sell all sorts of stuff and make all kinds of money. And it tells you why you got into the field of sales. And then you have other days where you went and you labored all day and you got nothing. Anybody ever worked for a job that was 100% commission? I have. You are motivated. <laughs> you are motivated to sell. If you sell nothing, you make nothing. And so it's a real easy thing for the boss because he can hire as many people as he wants because he's not paying anybody anything unless they bring home something. And I still know the I have, I still my, the record for the most amount of money I ever made in one day was when I was in sales. It was a long time ago. It was back, I believe, in the uh, 80s, and I made just shy of $900 in one day. Actually, I made just shy of $900 in about two hours. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, but I had a lot of days I made nothing. (laughs) So it kind of balanced out that uh, it it didn't always wash out the same way. But uh, that was pretty cool. That was pretty nice. Now, you get some people out there, they they listen to $900 in a day. Oh, it's nothing. They do a whole lot better than that. But you can have you can make all kinds of potential in those kind of areas. This is what they're in. They're, they're in a kind of like a, you know, either you make a lot of money or you're not going to make anything. You're, you're, you're taking a risk here. He's not working by the hour. He's not getting paid by the hour. He's getting paid for the fish that they bring in. So he has an apparent need here, but he does not necessarily need a big catch, does he? Reevaluate this. Does Peter need a big catch? Is he going to go broke? There's no apparent need for him to have a big catch. We know that's going to happen, but there's no apparent need for it. He could have listened to all these other things. Here's some other things that he actually did listen to. He listened to the request of Jesus. He listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he listened to the principles of the Word of God as Jesus taught them. He listened to the request of Jesus, the voice of the Holy Spirit, who's telling him on the inside when Jesus says, can I use your boat? The voice of the Holy Spirit says, yeah, let him. It'll be good. Let him use your boat. He listened to the principles of God, the principles of the Word of God that Jesus was teaching. Well, besides listening, the things that we listen to, the things that we hear shape us, Just as we were looking at the news, how many of you know that the news focus on one guy drinking water shaped a lot of conversations this week that otherwise really would have been ignored? There's a yielding to the things that we listen to. Verse 4, when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. This is kind of an interesting story here because The whole idea was giving Jesus a place to teach, but we're not really told what he taught. We don't really have a whole lot of details of anything that he taught here. We just told that he got in the boat, taught, and then he turned to Peter. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And now we get the background. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word... I will let down the net. Now, we've uh, been over this before. I'm sure most of you know, but sometimes you get people around that haven't heard or listening on the Internet and haven't heard all the details. So we'll go over them again just so everybody else gets it. But he said, let down your nets for a catch. He's asking him to let down his what? His nets for a catch, which means they have more than one net. Well, they have more than one boat, so of course they have more than one net. Each boat would have several nets on it. And you, you don't, I don't know about you, but uh, when I have tools, I don't just buy all the tools at one time. You, you buy tools at a certain amount of time. You, 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 you can afford this tool. And then you can, you know, as you begin to make more product, more bunk beds and, and you sell some bunk beds, you get some money. You can actually buy some other tools. And then instead of having this tool over here, you can buy a better tool. And, uh, one of the areas we made improvements on the, on the tools that we have is just in the area of Sanders. When we started out the business, we had one sander. That sander cost me $129. That was a big investment for me at the time. $129 sander. And uh, since then, we got a second sander. And then we got a third sander. Well, of course, sanders don't last. And so all those sanders that we first had are all replaced, gone by the wayside, and new sanders have come up. And we found some new sanders. I got, I got two sanders that are the most aggressive sanders. I have, in fact, it is so good, I bought a backup of it because it really affected the business whenever it went down. And we wear them out. We, we, we take them out. But that sander by itself is $269. And we have six different sanders in the shop now. Each one has its own purpose. Each one has its own way of doing things. And they range anywhere from uh, an $80 sander up to the one that's $269. And we have six of them, and they do a different job, and they do it well. And we can sand now better than we could ever sand before, and we can put out a better product. But I have some sanders that I consider to be disposable sanders, and I have some sanders that if they go down, they go to the repair shop. Here, take this and and fix it. And sometimes it'll cost me 50 bucks, 75 bucks to fix the sander, but it's worth it because it's a good sander and it will keep, uh, keep doing things. I've, I brought uh, some little examples for you to help you out with this. Some of you may have a few of these at the house. How many of you have more than one hammer? Now, the reason we have more than one hammer is, in my house, we have more than two hammers. Uh, this one is over in the office. This is, a, this is the hammer that you would buy at a dollar store. Anybody know how much it would cost? You'd, this one has been purchased at the dollar store. If you uh, rail on this hammer too much, you will bend the head and it will go. Have you done that? Yeah, we've done that too with some. And, you know, you, you use these for demolition and you will bend the head. It will go backwards and there is no fixing a hammer. Once it's, it's busted, it's, it's pretty much done. Now, I don't know if you know about this, but there is a way that you can tell a, a, a better hammer from a cheap hammer. If you look at the top of that, you will notice it is all metal. If you look at the top of a better handle, or a better hammer, it is hollow up in the top. And you will see part of the handle coming up through the top. Because the purpose is, we have invested more into the uh, handle of the hammer, and so you may eventually wear out the head. And then you can actually pop the head off, put a new one on, and you can keep on going. So that's a sign of a little bit better of a hammer. But uh, the hammers from there, you can get... Now, this one, you can probably tell some of the purpose that this one has. This is a deconstruction hammer. This (laughs) this is what you use to tear stuff apart because this hammer is is able to take it. It's not metal. It doesn't bend, and you can really wail on this sucker, and it doesn't really go anywhere. I also have a couple of other hammers at the house. Uh, One is a wooden hammer. I have that one, not because it's tough, simply because it is fun to use. It is a wooden hammer. It just it, You hold it differently. It weighs differently. And it just is so much nicer to use than the metal ones. But you can't use it for everything. You will break the wooden part of it. It's made out of hickory. It's not uh, a cheap wood made out of nice hickory wood. And uh, you, can, you can really do some, some fun things with that. And then I have one be- beside that that's real small. It's a very tiny hammer. It has one purpose in the shop. I don't like this hammer to be used for any other purpose because any other purpose that it's used for will take away from the purpose I have to use it for. It's used for something very delicate and it's used to keep the this, the metal on it very smooth. It's made out of wood. And it's the only thing it does in the shop. It does one thing. It hammers in the biscuits when I'm making the drawers. That's its only job. It doesn't do any other job in the shop because if it did any other job, it wouldn't do the job I want as well. Each hammer... Just something as simple as a hammer. has a different purpose. of a different thing. When they have nets, they have more than one. They started off, though, probably buying one or two nets. Probably got the best net they could afford. But then as they caught more fish and they grew the business, they were able to get the super-duper net. And then they were able to get that one they had on the infomercial at, at, at nighttime that would catch more fish in a smaller square footage of space, you know, and weigh less and be easier to clean and all this sort of stuff. And so they got the, you know, the, the, the next model up. And as they keep investing in more nets, what happens to the first nets? They are looked down upon. They are, they're not used, used as much. They're not as, as good as the other nets are. And so no matter what you get into, no matter what uh, area that you work in, you will find that there are always good, bad, and better. Best, you have all kinds of ratings on these things. So they have a a number of nets there. And what Jesus is telling them is, I want you to take all of your nets and I want you to drop them into the water. What had they just finished doing, at least with some of the nets? They were in the midst of cleaning the nets. So they've obviously finished cleaning some of the nets. So some of the nets are clean. If you dip them back in salt water, what do you got to do with them? Got to clean them again. They may not have wanted to do that. It's one thing that we, you know, we spent some time here letting you teach. we got to get on home. we got wives. we got kids. we got stuff to do, whatever it might be. So when he says this, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. It is definitely plural. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. So let me paraphrase this for you. Jesus says, take all of your stuff, all your inventory, all your, all your nets and let them down for a catch. And Peter says, look, I am not prepared to put all of our investment into the water, but I will take our cheapest, our oldest, our least valued net and I will put that in the water. And so they do so. <laughs> this, he's not listening very well. He's listening to the wrong things. At this point, initially he was listening to some good stuff, but then he eventually got into some areas where he wasn't listening to the good things. He wasn't listening to the parts that he had to listen to. What he was listening to was the nets will have to be cleaned the nets will get dirty again. I don't want to clean the nets again. I'm sure you clean them because the salt water wears them out. So the more that you use them, the more that they wear out. He's looking at this. My good nets are going to get wore out. We've already fished all night. There's no fish here. This guy's not a fisherman. He doesn't really know anything. But, you know, we want to be nice to him. He's a good teacher. So I'll let down the net. So here he's either yielding to flesh once or to Jesus's desires. Now his flesh does not want to clean those nets again. So Jesus said, down, said let down the nets. Peter replied, he would let down the net. In verse 6, then, then, and, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Well, again, he used more than likely the lowest quality net that he had. The oldest net that he had. If he used one of his better nets, it may not have been breaking. But this is the one that he used. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boats so that they began to sink. Now, if the net that they were using was breaking and they signaled for the other boat to come along, what did the other boat bring with them? Nets. So, what did they end up putting down into the water? The nets. Just a little late. Just a little bit late. And they filled up both boats so they began to sink. Now, here's the the funny thing if they would have put all the nets back in there to begin with, all of them would have been full because right now some of the fish got away. Some of the fish had gotten away on this. But I'm sure that they're satisfied. (laughs) We got two boats that are so full of fish that they're sinking. That's not a bad uh, day's work. So either they are reaping here, and reaping's good. That's what we all want. That's what we, when we put our hands to work on something. We want to reap something. I've never worked on something and never reaped anything off of it. We don't like that. So either from flesh goods or from heaven's storehouses, we're either going to reap from flesh goods. If we put down our net, if we. Put down the things that our flesh is speaking or from heaven's storehouses. We're going to reap from one or the other. Jesus knew the plan for the harvest. He knew what was coming. He knew what he was planning for this. But others, sometimes we have our own plan. We do what I decide. How many have ever done what you decide to do? Maybe you were seeking after God. you were trying to find out what God wanted to do, but you missed it. You missed it on it. We got it. We, we're doing what I decide. We obey what I wish, and we take all I can. We do what I decide, we obey what I wish, and we take all that I can. That's not the kind of plan that we need to have. If we are going to reap as God wants us to reap, this is not the way that we should be going. In verse 8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. Again, you get fishermen that are shocked, that are astonished at the catch of fish. You know you caught some fish. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they had brought their boats to land and they forsook all and followed him. So Peter... He sees this and he falls down on his knees. Oh, man, depart from me. I'm I'm no good. You're, you can command fish to go into a net. Who am I? So he says, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. All the other ones are astonished. Jesus says, no, I'm not going to depart from you. We don't have to do any of that. He says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Here's what's another interesting thing about this. Before they went into the water... They were trying to protect their best nets. When they leave, after Jesus does all this, they leave all their nets. Now, that's for other people to, to work and to take care of and to do some things with. They didn't just leave them out there for people to walk off with, but they left them. Suddenly, their priorities changed. Suddenly, they, they went after something different. You, you reap off of the right stuff, your priorities will change. If you keep reaping off of the flesh, then flesh is going to be your priority. If you can learn how to reap off of the spirit, then what you get in the spirit will be your new priority. But we don't always switch over and we don't learn to do that. We keep hanging on to what we know. We keep hanging on to, well, I'll put the net out there. When God wants us to put nets, he wants us to put an investment out there. He wants us to do some stuff. I put this in your outline. With every harvest a greater level of commitment is expected. With every harvest, a greater level of commitment is expected. We have harvested in the past. We have in the past done some things that God told us to do and we have reaped a harvest off of it. But has it changed our commitment level? If our commitment level to God stays the same as it was before, we're not going to graduate. We're not going to get to a greater level of commitment. If we don't get to a greater level of commitment than what we had before, we won't have again. We've got to learn to graduate. We've got to learn to, to move. What what Peter did here was good. But how many of y'all know it wasn't great? It was nice to let Jesus use his boat, but that really, didn't really cost him anything. Jesus said, let's go out and go, some, go for some more fish. And he just, well, all right. ah, the nice guy thinks he's a fisherman all right, we'll 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 take a net out there and, and we'll do that. You imagine Jesus sitting there. Yeah, you're taking a net. <laughs> he knows what's coming on. With every harvest, a greater level of commitment is expected. So where are the disciples at? The disciples right now are pretty low on the commitment level. But God wants to bring them up higher. He wants to raise them up. He wants them to go. Jesus gave them something to work with. He said, Put your boats in the deep water and cast out your nets for a catch. Peter says, all right, we'll do the net thing, but not the nets thing. Jesus gave them something. He's not asking them to... He's not saying, how many nets do you have, is He? He's not saying, how many boats do you have? He's saying, take what... I'm just asking for effort here. Let's go. We're not asking how many fish, how many loaves, how much oil... We're not trying to multiply anything that you have. We're just saying, let's go out and let's put a little effort into this. I'm asking for some effort. And they did it, but they didn't do it real well. But they did it okay. And they got a harvest. Sometimes we would like to reap a harvest on such a little bit of of obedience. But there's graduations that come. And once you graduate from this level, there's no going back to it. You're not going to get a harvest off this level anymore. you got to go on to the next ones. How many of you all know when you were in first grade and you did first grade work, you reaped, you reaped a harvest? You learned first grade material. Is there any benefit in you going back to first grade now? You ever watch that show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Anybody else enjoy that one? <laughs> That was pretty good. They're asking questions, you know, first grade, second grade, third, and they're missing a lot of them. Of course, some of those questions I'm wondering they weren't in my fifth grade book. I don't know where they got those uh, got those questions from. But would there really be any benefit in them going back and studying all that stuff again? There's not going to be the harvest there. We a lot of times want to go back to first grade and get a harvest. On the show, there was one. Yeah, if you can ask their first grade, second grade, third grade questions, we're going to give you ten thousand, fifty thousand, whatever the dollar amount was that they were gonna I forget what it all was. So there was a harvest there. We'd like to go back and be able to do all that, but that's not where we're at with, with this. God wants us to move on into higher things. He wants us to, you know, you've already learned that. You've already graduated from that. Now come on, let's move on to some other stuff. Here's some other examples of people who were told something, told to do something. Naaman, was told was was told to go wash. Over in 2 Kings chapter 5, you can go look that up if you want to. You know, the servant had to argue with him. Look, if he told you something hard, wouldn't you have done it? He just said, go wash and be clean. Much more simpler than that. And you've got to cross over this river anyway. Mary, Luke chapter 1. We're going to read verse 30 here. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there will be no end. Of course, she goes on and says, well, how can this be? I don't have a husband. And the angel says, with God, all things are possible. And so she comes back and a little few verses later says, all right, let it be unto me according to your word. What... What God was saying is, I've given you a verbal command here. All you need to do is obey it. All you need to do is listen to it. Put the effort out, and it'll be blessed. One more, over in Acts chapter 23. Paul, speaking about Paul, verse 11. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. For as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. There was a conspiracy that was going on to kill Paul. Because they don't like what Paul was doing. So the, the Christians wanted to kill Paul. Or Christian Jewish, Jewish people anyway. They wanted to kill Paul. And he, he got word of it. And this word came from, from God to him. Be of good cheer. For as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. Now that's a little longer word than most words that come from God, as far as obedience. That's a little longer one, but Paul was better. Paul was—he was graduated a few levels. He could probably handle it. Be of good cheer. If God comes to you and says, "Be of good cheer," how many of us take that seriously? It's kind of like, "How you doing?" Right? (laughs) We're not. How you doing? We don't really mean it. We're just, uh, "How you doing?" Be of good cheer. But Paul has to say, all right, this is what God said to me, be of good cheer. If you've got a whole mess of people out there trying to kill you, trying to, I mean, they're trying to hurt you. They don't just want you dead. They want you to suffer on the way there. Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. If God wants you to bear witness for him at Rome, guess what? You're going to make it. You're going to get there. Be of good cheer. So don't worry about what you face. So if you read the rest of the story, the rest of the story is a pretty good one if you haven't uh, been over that. He gets a little boy to, who uh, finds out about the plot and he says, will you take this to the commander? He's got some news for him. Takes the little boy in there. The little boy says, I heard this plot. This is what they're doing. All right, we're going to go this way and, and uh, stop the, the threat. And they did that and Paul made his way on in there and the people wanted on them dead. And, well, they, didn't, they weren't successful. God will sometimes speak something to you He'll speak it through someone else, as in this case, uh, or some of these cases, an angel or a prophet may come and speak something to you. And you need to take, take word, take heart of those things. What has God spoken to me? I need to put my effort in on that thing. It's not a matter of him multiplying what I have on this one. It's a matter of me taking what he said and going out there and doing it. Brother Hagen used to tell us that the word of God that came to him was, go, teach. My people faith. Now, as he went about to do that, people came against him. It seemed to be tough. It seemed to be difficult. What was he supposed to do? Go back to the word that was there and teach my people faith. What is God speaking to us? Has God spoken to you something about your business? Has God spoken to you something about your spiritual walk? Has God spoken to you something About what you're supposed to do in life. It may have been years ago. It does not matter. How long ago it was. What did God say? And are you putting effort out. To accomplish. What it is. That he said. That's all we need to do. Brother Hagin got that one one thing to do. Go teach my people faith. And he based all his ministry on it. Kept going out there and doing it. Other people have, have uh, had similar words or words going in other directions. Um, and they, they put the effort out. They put the time in. They went after it. They kept focused on it. What has God said to do? Brother David Ingalls put the word that he got for the ministry that he was supposed to do on every single album he made. I just noticed today that he made put out a brand new album. And guess what's on it? What God told him to do. The Lord spoke to me and told me some things. He said, you'll begin to write with a new anointing. And through the anointing, and through the singing, as you minister forth, that anointing will go out from you. And as the people will believe it and receive, they will be healed in their body. That's his word. He made sure he for all these years he focused on that word. He wouldn't let it depart from one side to the other. He said, this is what the word of God has spoken to me. And this is what I will do. Paul, when he got born again, on the road to Damascus, a prophet was sent to him and issued a command. And Paul followed that command. He continually did it. John had the call to be the forerunner to Jesus. And he followed that call up until the time that Jesus showed up and then he let his his words were, I must. Decrease, he must increase. He focused on that, that that he was supposed to do. The prophets had to focus on what is the word that we are supposed to bring, bring out? What is our purpose here in this ministry? And they had to stay focused on that. Because a lot of things would happen during life to try and get you to not focus on what you're supposed to focus on. If you have a business, God can speak to you about that business and say, this is what you need to do. And you can stay with it. And you can keep on, on, on going that way. This is what you need to do. What is it? Because God will speak to you about business. You know, when we got into the bunk bed business, my purpose that I felt that came up on the inside of me, and every once in a while, I've I've sort of let it go, and then I get back to it, It was just to make strong, dependable bunk beds at an affordable price. But every once in a while, somebody comes up, and they have an idea, and they want me to, can you do this? Well, I probably could do that, and every once in a while, I put some effort into it. Every time I put effort into it. You know, building this or adding this this thing on, it just took away all my enthusiasm for it. Didn't want to do it. Didn't. Nah. It's just... And so finally, I just uh, told a couple of people. I said, "Look, my purpose," and I told them what the purpose was. And I says, "That's away from my purpose, so I'm not making that." Said, so "There's places out there you can go and find it," and without we'll go out there and focus on what God has told you to do, because God will speak to you about your spiritual business. He'll speak to you about your physical business. What is God speaking to you to do? And when you get something from God and He speaks to you, don't treat it lightly. Treat it as as reverently as you can. This is what God wants me to do. What is your purpose in your job? What is your purpose in the secular world? What is your purpose in the church? What is your purpose with people that are unsaved? For some of those things, you're going to have a general calling from the Word. But there's in some of these areas, God is specifically going to tell you something. It may not sound like much, but it's what you're supposed to focus on. I mean, if you really listen to it, Brother Hagin's thing that he got, go teach my people faith, that doesn't sound real exciting. But he made it into something exciting, didn't he? Put this in your outline as always. It's not our effort or action that tips the scales, but our obedience to the voice of God. Jesus asked for what he needed when he began, didn't he? Peter, I need your boat. He asked for what he needed when he began. Peter, I need you to go out into the deep and let down your nets. See, what happens is we sometimes give what is left over when I'm done we don't focus everything on it. You need to focus everything you can on what God has told you to. And what God has told you is important. Focus on those things. What is it that God has told you is important about your business? What has God told you that's important for you to do with your money? What has God told you is important for... Don't what somebody else has told. What has He told you? If you will take what God has said... About your money, about your business, about your job, about your spiritual life, about your investments, about how you spend your money. If you will listen to what God says specifically to you about those things and apply yourself to them and take them seriously, you will see that the work of your hand will be blessed. God will bless it. Just as he did when he... They just put one net down in the water. And God blessed it. Now they graduated to levels beyond that and no longer would one net down in the water be acceptable. But right then, one net down in the water was just fine and God gave them all kinds of blessings. Don't keep trying to go back to the one net obedience. You should be a multiple net obeyer, obeyer now. Could we sometimes give what's left over when I'm done. Jesus wants to pull us into what he is doing. He wants to pull us into what he's doing. At that moment, Jesus was accomplishing a great harvest. And Peter didn't really want to go along completely because he didn't see it. Jesus wanted to pull him into that. Instead, what we had was people are being joined in. The other boats being called in. Hey, we need you to come on in, bring in your nets. He wants to pull us into what he's doing, not join in when it's over. But God will speak to you about your business. God will speak to you about where you need to go. If you let him speak to you. And then you obey and put your effort out on those things that he is speaking to you about. You will see blessing on what it is that you're doing. You will see great blessing on what it is that you're doing. But you got to put that effort out. You got to first off seek after God. How many of you have situations at home? In your own finances, in your own job, in your own business, in your own spiritual life. That you would say it's not completely the way that you want it to be yet. Seek after God on it. Father, God, speak to me and I am ready to listen. I am ready to hear what it is that you have to say. Now, don't be like the news folks out there. Listen to all this inconsequential stuff. You'll be so focused on people drinking water that you miss the important things. Don't be doing that. There's a whole lot of stuff out there and it's going to try and get you off on listening to unimportant things that have no basis on your life at all. It's amazing how we could spend after that whole night all the things that were said and all we focused on was a drink of water. I just, that's, that's amazing that we can do that. But see, we can do the same thing in our lives. We can focus so much on trivial stuff that we don't get into the important part. Seek after God. Father God, we have a financial problem. Father God, we have a business problem. Father God, we have a situation in here we need some help with. And God will speak to you to do something, to focus on something. And then you need to take that, that he speaks, and focus all your effort on it. Focus everything that you can on the thing. Go after it. What has God said to do? What's he said? God has said something. But in your outline, the harvest comes because obedience makes us a sower with him. The harvest comes because obedience. As we obey God, as Peter obeyed with the nets, he became a sower and a reaper with him. That's what we need to do. Obedience makes us a sower with him. Hesitance makes us a servant of convenience. Hesitance makes us a servant of convenience. Of convenience. We don't want to be that. Let God speak to you about these things. When He speaks to you, He's giving you something to work with. He's giving you something that He will bless. He's giving you something that says, All right, I want you to to do this. I want you to go out here and, and, and function this way. I want you to ask your boss this. He'll give you something. I want you on your job. Focus on these things. These are the things that are important. He'll, he'll give you these. He'll, he may even maybe you go into your boss now. Ask him what is important. You don't know. I, 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 don't you give me ideas that he can say? But he can speak all kinds of stuff. Listen to him. If you have a business and you want to try and increase business to come on into that business, listen to him. If you have a job, If you want a better job, listen to him. He will speak things to you to help you. We are so used to doing these things in the natural that God will just bless whatever it is I'm busy doing that we get out there and we just start working and we start chasing after stuff and we start going after different things, but the, the, the harvest isn't coming in. You need to stop, talk with God, Father God, what's going on? What do I need to do? Where do I need to focus my efforts at? Where should I put my time in? Where should I put my money in? What should I invest in? What should I go after? And when God says, go after this, here's an opportunity right here. Go after this one. I don't even see that. Well, it doesn't matter if you see it or not. If God is saying, I want you to go after this, he's giving you. He's getting you in on the ground floor. He's getting you in before anybody else gets in on there. Listen to him. Now, this is when He speaks something to us directly. We're going to get into here in the, the weeks to come, or the next week anyway. What do you do if you don't have a specific word? What do you do about your business? What do you do about your spiritual life? What do you do about these things if you don't have a specific word? Are you caught waiting for that specific word to come out before you can do anything? So we're going to look at some examples of people in the Word of God to face a similar thing and how they came out of it. Would you all stand up with me? <coughs> Many of us are in situations with Peter. Jesus is ready to speak a harvest in our life. Ready to direct us to a harvest. But we are not in a position where we will obey. We are not in a position where we will listen. We need to get ourselves in a position that when he speaks, I know he spoke and I will listen. And I'll do it. I need to get myself in that position. If God says, stop this or don't or don't do this, we'll do it. There was one time I remember um, they were talking, about, I think it was when I was down there or shortly after I left, they, um, down at Raymond they had a slowdown in the city of Tulsa where the oil uh, uh, industry in that uh, city was kind of drying up. A lot of people left the town. Churches kind of went down in size. And before it ever happened, Brother Hagen got this from the Lord. He says an economic slowdown is coming. But he says, you'll be fine if you do this, this, and this. And he gave them a number of things to do. One of them was to lay off some people. He had to actually go in there and lay off some people, and some other ones was uh, to put, put some money over here. He, he gave them steps to do. And as he, he followed those steps, he came through the economic slowdown just fine. God knows whether we have economic speed ups, or not going to economic slowdowns and all these other things, and he knows how to direct us around it. He knows how to help us with it. All you need to do is listen. Be prepared to listen. And God will speak specific things to you. But here's the thing. When he speaks something specific to you, you need to take heart. You need to listen. You need to treat it with every bit of reverence that you possibly can. Don't ever treat when he says, let down the nets. Don't ever be satisfied with letting down a net. So Peter did, it did work. But don't ever be satisfied with that. If he calls for nets, grab them all. If he calls for some effort on your part, put everything you can into it. As a part of obedience and faith that comes with listening to him. He may tell you to quit doing something in another area or start doing something in another area. Seeming unrelated to your business or your job or your finances. But listen to him because he knows what he talks about he knows what he's doing as we pray today uh, brother keith stayed home he does not usually stay home from being ill but he was uh, still feeling uh, poorly enough from this week that he stayed home another day we wanted to to pray with him and susan had to leave early she was not feeling well either uh, they're the ones that i know about that were we're not feeling well so as we pray we'll I'll lift them up as well. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. We can overcome this, whatever it is that we face in this world. Our businesses can be blessed. Our spiritual lives can be blessed. Our ministries can be blessed. The things that we do can be blessed. We sometimes measure in a, in a way that you don't measure. But we need to measure the way that you do. We need to look at things the way that you do. We need to be ready that when you speak to us, we are ready to obey. We are able to hear among all the other things that are going on, all the people reporting on the stupid stuff around us that has no bearing on our life at all. We need to just get rid of all that noise and listen to the things that have bearing on our life, the things from the Word of God that are important, the things that come from the Holy Spirit that are spoken to us, the things that He speaks to us through other people, Word of God, promises of God, we need to hear. And Father, we are prepared and we are ready to hear and ready to obey. We want to be in that place that when you call for us to let down the nets, we let them all down. We don't hold anything back. We're ready to go. And Father, we thank you that what we do in obedience to your voice is blessed. You can bless the work of our hands. You can take what we are doing and turn it around into something absolutely phenomenal and good. We can go from a place where we thought, well, we got nothing now this week. To a place where we have abundance. If we just simply listen to what you have to say. We have to have that confidence. We have to grow in that obedience. But we're ready. We thank you for the help that you give us for it. We lift up to you today, Father, Brother Keith. We know that he is standing and believing God for his healing. That strength is returning to his body. We thank you for that. We thank you that Susan, whatever it is that's coming against her, in the name of Jesus, we just stand with her, that it will not have its effect that it's desiring. But in the name of Jesus, she is raised up, healed. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.